Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? It's the 27th of October 2021, but that's not the relevant part. It's MK Day, it's Hump Day, it's Wednesday, it's Get You Ready for the Weekend Day, at least the first part of Getting You Ready, because we'll do that on Friday as well. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Luke Thomas, I am one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Los Estados Unidos here in Washington, D.C., but I am joined as always by the drug rug Ray, the king of Connecticut, the felon, (laughs) Mr. Misdemeanor himself. It's Brian Campbell. What's up, dude? <laughs> Luke, uh, I'm back. I've got a Dalmatian, and I can still get high. You know what I'm saying, Luke? We can also play that guitar like a mother riot on this show, Luke, because this is the best damn combat sports show, uh, period, actually. So uh, great to be back on it on a No J Wednesday. Fired the hell up. And, Luke, I mean, <clears throat> I, let's not bury the lead with the merch. You made a drug rug reference. This is a hell of a day. For morning combat merch history, okay? Smoke them if you got them. Rah, rah. It's that time. Can I go there, Luke? I'm going there. All right? By the way, there were like two times you made 90s references there, and the counter didn't go up either time. Well, as you you often tell our staff, it's not your fault you were born in 1999. You know, that's what happened there, Luke. Post high Um, school. Luke, let's just say it. It's real today. It really happened. Morningcombat.store. The best website for podcast merch, I don't know, probably ever. You asked for it by name, you're going you're gonna to fucking get it, okay? You know what I'm saying? The drug rugs, they're not here yet, but you can order them today on morningcombat.store. Pre-order. So here's the deal, folks. A special price if you pre-order today. And what's that price? 69 dude 69 69 is our pre-order price they'll be shipped november 3rd the pre-ordering starts right now so if you already got that great bc hawaiian shirt in your closet you might as well add a drug rug look i could not get our merch master to confirm this but i'm hoping at least one in ten purchasers of our mk drug rug find some type of paraphernalia in the pocket i got coffee stains on my pocket but some type of paraphernalia in there luke Yes, they'll find your gum wrappers and maybe, uh, I don't know, 
I don't know what they're going to find. But that's the whole joy of getting a drug rug. You just don't know what kind of narcotics may or may not be smuggled inside of them. But there's one place to get them, the MK Drug Rugs. Morningcombat.store. Pre-order start now. Right Look, now. I've never heard the term drug rug before our staff used it. I called what it did a, you... a Mexican sweatshirt. Is that racist? That's what we called it, Luke. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll take that out of my vocabulary. Yeah, it's a little racist. I mean, at a bare minimum, it's just inaccurate. Are they even Mexican? No, it's just ignorant, Luke. It's just oh. factory town speak, all right? I'm going to let, let's evolve. Hey, Look, that old Mexican sweatshirt. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying, though, Luke. Uh, you know, we already talked about this. Where I come from, that's what heroes wear. So uh, about time I finally got there. You know, you gave an interesting soliloquy during Doc 5 about what is BC really after. Is he trying to, you know, go back and repair the patchwork done on his youth? Uh Today, finally, Luke, I'm cool, all right? Finally. Yeah. Uh, still not cool, and that's okay. You don't have to be, but you can get the drug rugs. BC has been very proud of this. They're up for sale for pre-order, so go get them now. Also on today's show, by the way, we haven't talked about the topics. We're going to do some storylines for, dude, we got a bevy, a, a veritable smorgasbord of uh, all kinds of stuff to get to, including UFC, PFL, last night's Contender Series, a ton of stuff. So first of all, Thumbs up hey, how about the, the how about the damn wheel, Luke? How about the damn wheel? Oh, how could I forget? The wheel of death is back. So we got a busy show today. So no time like the present. Let's get started. Uh, you can follow us there on social right there. Uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We do it three times a week, live, 11 a.m. in the east is when it starts. By the way, if you want to send us an email, either for today's fan subs or Friday's Dead Wrong Morning Combat at gmail.com is the place to go to for that. If you want to try Showtime, you can do that, showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you may keep it. If not, maybe go spend the money on a drug rug. I don't know. There's lots of ways you could spend your money these days, but that's one of them. Uh, either way, you'll get your money's worth with Showtime if you go to Showtime.com. Uh, give us a Help us scam the Apple Podcast algorithm. Leave us a five-star <clears throat> review. If you're funny enough, we'll sling you some cash, but you got to make it funny, okay? And by the way, there are people who have made some funny ones and then purposely left a one-star review. While I appreciate the humor, it's very, very funny you got to leave the five to get the cash. So if you leave the one, I understand that. <laughs> you know, live by the sword, die by it too. But the cash only comes with a five star. So there you go. Uh, BC, are we forgetting anything, any housekeeping notes? I think that's everything, right? Yeah, that's right. it, Luke. What a time, by the way. What a time to be alive. Not only UFC 267 this weekend, but next week, you and I, Vegas, Canelo. It's also mm. UFC MSG week. You and I are probably going to set a national indoor record for most time sitting in front of a camera doing MK shit, and I can't wait, bro. I cannot wait for that, all right? This is going to be a big week. Folks, we should say something real quick about that, BC. Folks are wondering, well, wait a second. If you're going to be in Las Vegas for the Canelo fight, that's great. We're going to get all the Canelo coverage that we're looking for. But hey, what about UFC 268? Fear not, friends. BC and I had a talk. We had a pledge. And our pledge is to cover UFC 268. We can't do it as well as we're doing Canelo by virtue of physical location but we're gonna have press conference reactions we're gonna have weigh-in coverage we're gonna have uh we're still working on the details on post-fight coverage but they'll have something for that too you are going to get all the canelo coverage you can handle and i think plenty of ufc 268 coverage along the way we're, we're gonna be ghosts and uh, ground to dust by sunday morning bc but i think it's a sacrifice we it's have gonna make. be great also our, our our colleague brandon wise of cbs sports will be on the ground in new york as well covering for our site so we're we got you covered and we're coming we're coming on okay we're, we're bringing it all right very good well with that out of the way bc let's get this party started 
We start with the first uh, topic, namely UFC 267 storyline. So as we normally do on the show, Friday we'll talk X's and O's a little bit. Today we're going to talk a bit about storylines. And obviously here, BC, we have in your main event, Jan Blahovich defending his title against Glover Teixeira. I want to talk about some of the other fights on the card. But here's the first one. I think it's the more operative question. No doubt it's a fun fight. No doubt it's a good fight. No doubt that hardcores are looking forward to this one. The better question is, is this fight on Saturday, the main event for 267, is this the final decider for who the best light heavyweight in the world is? (sighs) No, it's not. And it's not anyone's fault. The promotion, the two fighters... I mean, so your knee-jerk reaction is, BC, well, who the hell is the best 205-er in the world? I mean, look, there's other people who may have a claim in this argument soon. Look, I'm not convinced, number one, and some people scoff at this. That's fine. I'm not convinced Israel Adesanya is not going to end up wearing this title, you know, in the the next 18 months. I'm not convinced that Vadim Nemkov isn't the best light heavyweight in the world. I'm not convinced that Yuri Prohatska is not going to just do wild, spinny, violent shit and knock all these guys out before getting there. Uh, the only thing I think I'm convinced of is that John Jones ain't coming back any day soon. So, Luke, for now, for this day, the winner has a claim, and that's not to disparage the fight or the fighters. It's a very good fight. In fact, Luke, storyline-wise, I think it's sneaky good, meaning we're not really talking about it. Why? Maybe it's two old guys, both not with overwhelming personalities. Maybe because it's an afternoon Abu Dhabi card. It's like this rare free pay-per-view. I'm not really sure why, but the more I watch video, the more I'm tasked with writing stories about this fight. It's a damn good fight, Luke. But no, I'm not I'm not convinced that, that the winner is necessarily the best light heavyweight in the world. Well, why don't you point counterpoint me on that one? I think... I think there's probably not a lot of situations between UFC and Bellator where you could look at them and say, oh, these divisions are on par, or Bellator has just as much of a claim to having the very best person in the, this weight class as UFC does. But you, I think you can say that, frankly, at 205 pounds, or at least for now, for now, we can say that. We don't know what's going to happen in this light heavyweight tournament. We'll have to see. Maybe Corey Anderson wins, and that will affect the debate. If Vadim Nemkov wins, I tend to think he'll make a claim as the world's best light heavyweight given the run he would have been on, um, obviously, if he beats Corey Anderson. But it's, it's hard to know, right, because there's a lot of things that can happen. What if Corey Anderson wins at the Bellator tournament and then Glover wins on Saturday? Obviously, Jan Blahovich are 1-1 one one with Corey Anderson, but Corey has a great and, frankly, dominant win over Glover Teixeira. Would that happen again? Hard to say. Who knows? But it makes it muddy. The point, uh, the question was asked was, is the winner of the main event for UFC 267 the best light heavyweight? And the answer, it seems to me, is they could be, but it's definitely not a lock. It's not a lock. They're obviously in the <clears> running. <throat> They're on the top four shortlist at a bare minimum. Probably top two is what I would say, actually. Uh, but you cannot guarantee that, which I think speaks to that tournament that Bellator is running, the names that they have assembled um, as well, the, the, the emergence of Adim Nemkov, the reformation in many ways of Corey Anderson. But I will say, BC, what happens if we go this direction? where Corey Anderson does win the Bellator Light Heavyweight Tournament and Jan Blachowicz defeats Glover Teixeira. I think you could look back and say, yeah, maybe the best light heavyweight was in that UFC main event. I just don't know how we declare that today. Well, I'll say this. I'll say that. No, they ain't doing a trilogy anytime soon. I'll say this, Luke. Um, If Jan Blachowicz wins on Saturday, and if he gets a stoppage, I mean, if he wins convincingly, it'll. It, I wonder if that would change this discussion a little more cement 
back in solid, back in his favor. So here's what I mean by that. Luke, I'm going to be straight up with you. I mean, like, I don't think any of us, forget me, I don't think any of us could have seen this coming. Let's say, let's go back even before the Rockhold fight, that Blachowicz in his late 30s would have this type of, not turnaround, because he's always been solid, but he had wins and losses. I don't want to say journeyman, but he's, he was just sort of a solid out in the division. None of us saw coming necessarily the string of dominance, stoppage win of Dominic Reyes, uh, smart, you know, win with the IQ to adjust and beat Israel Adesanya, where... When he beat Reyes, I was like, okay, interesting upset, big win, powerful, great move. But I'm sorry, this has transitional championship written all over it. And that's, that. you know, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean John Jones ruled this division with an iron fist forever, like a decade, except for the times that, you know, he had his own personal hiccups and then DC slid in there. It felt like Jan would just be the next, meaning like after GSP, Robbie Lawler, Johnny Hendricks, everybody had a, had a taste, right? But if he gets three in a row, two title defenses, a stoppage of Teixeira, a solid can't take anything away from it win over Israel Adesanya, who was favored, what you're starting to put together there is, is a reign. And I do want to put that out there and say, if we get to that point, you may have to adjust your conversation and say, what else would Jan have to do given what he's been given to show us that he's not the best 205-pounder in the world. In a separate conversation, what would it say or what would it mean for Glover Teixeira, independent of world's best light heavyweight? Because I think if Teixeira wins, then Bellator has a much better case for making the, their stand that they have the world's best light heavyweight, certainly one of the best light heavyweight divisions. But absent that, BC, what would it say in your mind if Teixeira won? What, what's the story there? I think there's a weird bit of... Not history, but look, you get certain fights in your career that can really elevate you, you know? And if it's for a championship, it could elevate you financially, stardom-wise, legacy-wise. Glover's at a, at a really interesting spot because he's having his own late career resurgence that we didn't see coming. 41 years old, winning more efficiently and violently than ever, rounding out his game quietly, going back to the gym and just, you know, grinding and evolving we respect him enough. If he loses this fight on Saturday, maybe once in a while we'll talk about, hey, remember that time Glover Teixeira put it together and made another run? But Luke, he'll go down maybe also because he has a, a quiet personality. I think he'll go down in the history books as just a tough out, just a Josh Koscheck, a guy who fought for the UFC title twice. Was a tough ass out, right? Glover Teixeira has a chance with a loss to retire as a tough ass out and maybe make it high up in that countdown that we bring up once in a while of the, the best bridesmaids in UFC history, best fighters to never win a title. But on the flip side, Luke, he's kind of got a chance at immortality. I mean, you know, yes, there's been forgotten UFC champions or, or you know, you win it once and never defend it and you give it back, whatever. But there's some immortality mixed in there where Glover Teixeira can almost twofold double down on what his legacy would be with a win here. And I think it all points back po positively to him for turning, not turning it around because he was never really in a spot where he's getting knocked out left and right. You know, he alternated wins and losses for a series against elite fighters. But this turnaround has been so impressive, so under the radar that I can't remember a fight where a fighter has this much chance to like, even Dan Henderson in the second Bisping fight. Okay, it would have been nice to put that UFC title on top, but he's Dan freaking Henderson, right? You know, like, he's a freaking all-time legend. Glover's a tough-ass out, Luke, who has a chance to, to really uh, cement how we'll remember him here with a win.
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't put what if he if Glover wins, right? I wouldn't put that on par at all with what Bisping did to Luke Rockhold in their rematch because a that was a rematch and b they were bitter rivals and you know Bisping took it on super late notice and it was all these weird factors. But in the sense that here was a guy who just was grinding, grinding, swinging the axe, swinging the axe, got close and got burned and had to start over and start over and start over and then eventually. It just all happened for him in the way that it did. You would get a little bit, I think, of that. I mean, the, the, the guys who can do what Glover Teixeira is doing are not only few and far between, but they only happen when you are just you just are a full-on martial artist. If you just live in the gym year after year, if you are constantly working on your game, and sometimes you're in big fights and sometimes you're not, sometimes you have difficult opponents and sometimes you don't, but you're always in there just working on yourself and working on your craft, you're not going to be the guy that rockets to stardom. It's not going to be your story. But what might be your story is a little bit later on, as you have just accumulated all of this fight wisdom and experience, and you've never lost the burning desire to win, even in your early 40s, great things are still possible. By the way, Jan Blachowicz not a young guy necessarily either, so his story has been pretty interesting of late. But talking about Glover Teixeira, it would be proof of concept about this is why the martial arts are important. For all the character building arguments you might make, for all the, the, the life purpose arguments you could make, there's another one, which is that if you just stick with it, you will not be the one that gets the belt first, but you might be the one that has the belt before it all closes at the end. And you can really do something, even in your late stages athletically, you can maybe do your absolute best work. We'll have to see if that happens. Luke, but I, I do wonder think he would something. Prove that. I wonder if you're in your own journalistic arc is are you're having a Glover Teixeira period right now? I mean, because you've been swinging that axe for years. Sometimes the people have noticed. Sometimes the corporations have noticed. Right now, it's everything's coming up Luke Thomas, so it's very comparable in that. But along with that ridiculous aside, Luke, um, I think the title that Glover could be going for on Saturday is for you know, with all respect, fuck apathy, fuck BC. <laughs> This is the real king of Connecticut if he hoists that uh, that two hundred five title at the end of the night. All right, he might he might he might become king of Connecticut if he actually grabs that belt. Became an American citizen during the pandemic as well, so really has just sort of made Connecticut a home and would be putting a, Danbury is the city if I'm not mistaken. What is Danbury like? Danbury is a border city on the New York line. It is uh, very hardworking, uh, uh, very immigrant heavy, known for its Portuguese population, Brazilian population as well, and. Uh, it's also known for having the largest high school in Connecticut. Uh, despite being a city, they have one high school, like New Britain High School. So uh, there's like, you know, 50,000 people in the high school when normally a big city like that would have like five high schools. So uh, what's it known for? Nothing, Luke. Okay. Yeah. Is, you know what it's known for? Glover Teixeira. That's it's known it's for known that for. that hockey documentary, the, the Danbury Trashers. All right. That's what it's known for. I remember when, by the way, last thing on uh, Glover Teixeira, I remember when he was outside the UFC looking in and he had that win over Sukaju. When Sukaju was first tearing everybody up, and uh, people were like, "Wait, Glover beat this guy," and so folks didn't. Oh, the super hardcores knew about Glover. The other ones didn't, but I guess he had visa issues at the time. They've <clears> since been resolved. But anyway, to your point, I think you stated it quite well. Glover Teixeira has this chance at really finally getting some immortality, depending on how the win goes. On the other way, Blahovich will now have a firm reign if he gets that win. I think that's really the, the, the stakes here. Let's talk about the co-main event very quickly. Peter Yan taking on Corey Sandhagen. Now, I wonder how you view this, BC, because as a fight, it's impossible to complain about, right? They finally put the interim belt up for grabs, as they should have done a long time ago, but better late than never. Okay, so thumbs up on, on that. 
And then beyond that, it's a wonderful fight between two of the very best bantamweights in the world. However, you know, it is for the interim belt, and maybe it should have been for the regular one. And by the way, Sanhagen, I thought he beat TJ Dillashaw. It was close, but technically the rules are the rules, and he didn't. He got a loss there. I get that he can't compete because he's injured, and so this is the next best thing. I just wonder, the, the fight is so good between two young championship-level fighters that I don't want to hate on it. At the, at the oh, other yeah. end of things, it is a bit of a Frankenstein bout. It is, it, but that's a little bit more, I think, toward just the bad luck of what's happened in the bottlenecked uh, top of this division. You know, this division's the deepest in the sport. Sport, excuse me. I mean, it, it surpassed lightweight in terms of our favorite, you know, most loaded, most incredible div- division. Although women's strawweight, I always see you. Yeah. All right. Let's take that creepiness back. Uh, Luke, I, I think in the end, though, it's kind of like best case scenario. So, you know, is it great to have a, a championship fight in which? Both guys coming in have lost to the current champion. No, but there's just circumstances involved in that. I don't think Aljo should have had the title, even though he did nothing wrong in winning by DQ. You know, I've been on record for years saying I don't think a, a title should be able to change hands like that, although I know that it can get a little little uh, a little gray area on what, how, you, how you police all that. But he's out. Who knows if he's coming back? Yeah, TJ Dillashaw may have earned a title shot with that win over San Hagen, but to your point, it was disputed. It was a pick em either way on the decision. So it just kind of worked out that these two are fighting. But Luke, these are the two best fighters in the division. No, they really are. And you're saying, well, BC, how can you say that? Didn't Aljo finish? San Hagen? He did. Shout out to Aljo on that. But right now, I think these are the two best fighters. It's an incredible style matchup. And, you know, I almost think UFC could have just said, look, we didn't F it up, but the whole situation's kind of effed up. So why don't we just fix it by making this for the full title? They're not going to do that. They don't necessarily have to do that. But I think they could have done that, and we would have been, all right, I just want to see business get back as usual. And I think we all do. And obviously some of that is just waiting on Aljo to see if if and when he can come back. Uh, same thing with TJ. And then, you know, we'll find out what happens from there because there's plenty, plenty of old and young names in here that we want to see fight for the title or contend for a chance to we got to get the, the the wheels back on the on the road here Luke and get this thing going and this is probably the best case scenario seriously these two fighting each other right now I can't freaking wait for this fight Luke I don't think you could tell me five better fights the UFC can make I'm not talking about star-studded fights I'm just talking about great fights between great two like fights, yeah. pound for pound level guys like this is kind of as good as it gets right tell me I'm wrong Luke just try no, it's- it it's up there. It's up there. I guess my other question about this would be, though, what would you rather see? Because the winner of this will have to, quote-unquote, unify with current champion Aljamain Sterling. What would you rather see? Jan versus Sterling 2, which was a more interesting bout, but turned out to be, I think, in the end, somewhat one-sided. Or the Sandhagen bout, which was one-sided the other way, what gives Sandhagen room for redemption, given how badly he lost in their first encounter? Yeah, I think that, well, look, either one, either one to be fair. But yes, to to your point, did we, I don't know, it's it's unfair to Aljo to say, I think we learned what we were going to learn from what we saw in that Jan-Aljo fight. Jan was winning. There's no doubt about it. He was, you know, kind of winning handily. But, um, you know, let's just let it play out, Luke. I don't know if I have a preference out of the two. Um, I just want Aljo and Dillashaw, I want this division back, you know, on a, on a regular schedule again. And I want both to get a chance to fight for the title. Luke, do you think there's a chance they end up fighting each other? Do you think there's a chance that after this fight, Dillashaw comes back and fights Aljo for the full title, knowing that the winner has to face the winner of this one? Are we in a final four and we don't know it? 
No, I think what's going to happen is the obviously mm. someone's going to win this bout, and then the winner of that will fight Aljamain, and then the winner of that will fight TJ Dillashaw. I think TJ's going to be on ice for a while, actually, uh, with his injuries. Not because UFC sidelining him, but because uh, the, you know he's dude, he's thirty five, thirty five at bantamweight. You know, not young, uh, yeah. not the end of the world. He looked good, but not young. So. Something to keep in mind. Um, there's a lot of good fights on this card. We're a little bit short on time. Anything else stand out to you about the... By the way, the UFC 267 card is utterly phenomenal. I think the last thing I would say in terms of what stands out to me, BC, very quickly, you've got this return of Hamzat Chemaev. Yes. And hardly anybody's talking about it. It is shocking. It is very shocking. There's so many layers to the story here that I love. One, this is a badass fight against the Leech. Leon, how do we, Luke, I want to say that right. I want to say it right. It's Le, not Leon. How no, do I say Li that? No, it's Li Jing Lang. Li Jing Lang. Yeah. Jing Lang. I'm, I'm going to work know. on that. I, I'm gonna, I promise I'll be better on that. The damn leech, Luke, is no, is no easy comeback fight. And I don't think what we're talking about enough is like Chemayev was banged up multiple times by COVID. He was hospitalized. He kind of publicly retired. Although we don't know, like, the fuel of his emotions in that moment. It, it took, what, your boy Kudryev to come out publicly and be like, he ain't retired. You know, we're going to make sure he keeps fighting. Believe me. I just think that there are a lot of questions regarding Chemayev's physical, sta you know, uh, standing coming in here. Whether he can be the same fighter. I mean, he comes in, Luke, as your betting favorite in this one pretty handily at minus 550. But I don't know how we can be confident under any situation that he's going to be the exact same guy he was during that two-month stretch in 2020 when he scored three wins in rapid succession and by stoppage and kind of just said, look, I'll fight for your title in two different divisions tomorrow. You know, we don't even know, Luke, if that version of him in that two months is really who he is because sometimes a guy like Kevin Holland can get hot in a short period of time. So all of this just bleeds into Saturday night, meaning this is some prove-me theater that I cannot wait to see. Because Hamzad has looked to be everything in terms of the goods. But the leech is the kind of guy that if you ain't right, he's, he's going to find out, Luke. He's going to find out quick. Yeah, the, I would argue this is by far his toughest UFC test to date. Now, we've seen some guys get pretty bad COVID and come back and look okay. Uh, look great, even in the case of um, champ Alexander Volkanovsky. So, like anything else, it, the, 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 there's a variety of responses to this kind of thing. Although the one that... Uh, Kamzat uh, Chemayev had was a really bad version of it, or at least he exacerbated it by the way he was living, whatever you want to say. So I tend to think he'll probably come back and look okay. I actually think the bigger issue for me is not so much the COVID uh, overhaul or a long haul, but rather, um, dude, Leech is talented. He's a good grappler. He has tons of energy. He can fight three rounds, no problem. I think Gerald Mearshart's a good opponent for uh, Chemayev, but you know he got blasted out so quickly we didn't really get a chance to see much. And then the other two opponents he had on Fight Island were <laughs> fine, but they were not up to the level of what you see this time. This is actually a really good test for him. To me, I'm finally going to get, okay, there was all that huge push for him, and I was making the point, I'm like, dude, Shavkat Rachmanov has beaten way better opponents, and there's hardly any buzz for this kid, and he's fucking awesome. This is the first time I'm feeling like, okay, this is, this is, now we're going to be getting to see some yeah. real information about the real true upside of, of Tremayev. That's how it's I great feel. matchmaking. Great. I mean, Leech, Leech just one punched uh, Ponzinibbio in the first round. I mean, look, this is great ass matchmaking. So I'm excited. It's free, too. Tons. It's free. Yeah, it's free. Can you believe it? I mean, well, well, well <clears throat> you have to have ESPN Plus, but if you have that, it's free. Yes. Um, Tremendous card. Tremendous card. Let's move to topic number two in the interest of time, BC, if we can. 
We'll talk about the 2021 PFL World Championships here. They're coming up. The biggest story that is just everywhere, and we're actually going to cover this in a bit of two different places, um, is first the Kayla Harris. Well, you know what? We might have to bump topic three. At this. Well, you know, we'll talk about it with Nate. How about this? Our, our, our rundown's not that great. Let's start here. Kayla Harrison's going to take it on Taylor Guardado. She is a massive favorite, BC. Minus 6,500. This fight is tomorrow. It's her last fight on the card, which, or last fight on her PFL contract, I should say. We'll talk about that in a second. I guess the first thing I would say is, since this fight is tomorrow, any chance in your mind at all that Harrison takes an L? Not, not, not at, uh, at all. I mean, it, I mean, she's a minus <laughs> sixty-five hundred favorite. When do you yeah. see that in elite MMA? What was that? What Never. was the line that um, Valentina Shevchenko was? When she was originally going to challenge Nico Montano, and it was it set a record for the largest favorite. I'll the fight never up. happened, of course. While you're doing I mean, that, I will look that up. It was like minus fifty thousand, right? This feels like that. No disrespect to Guardado. Again, I said it before; she got a good story in 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 the lead up to this. But I mean, there are levels to this, Luke, and you know she's not on this level. She's just not. I, I I'm not. You know, I, the 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 skill gap is insanely wide here. So. I don't expect anything less than quick and utter domination from Harrison, who doesn't F around, is all serious all the time, is has been really winning all of these interviews and press events, I think, in every category, from free agency to, you know, all the things people are asking her. This is her chance once again to be crowned as 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 queen of, of not just this division, but really PFL in general. She's the face of what they're doing in so many ways, Luke. Um, I'm not even sure plus 2200 on Guardado is... Fair and accurate enough, Luke. She, she, you know, she struggled in her semifinal bout. I think to what barely get a split decision there as a late replacement um, in a fight that that didn't look like you know elite high level. So we know what we're going to get from this. The real question and conversation is the recurring one we're having about what happens next with Kayla. Yeah, well, I'll just say quickly about this fight. I looked at the odds. Shevchenko was at about a, a minus fifteen hundred. We're talking minus 6,500 in current places. Some places wow. have her as as low as minus 5,000. Uh, there's one that's minus 3,500. But in general, you know, we're talking about extraordinarily, from an odds perspective, impossible to imagine a case where Guardado wins. She's out of the Extreme Couture camp. I like what, you know, I don't think she's on par necessarily with Harrison, but I like her as a fighter. I think she's got some upside potentially. We'll have to see. But... Um, okay, let's get to this for just a little bit here. Look, I don't think she'd win a fight in UFC. I think the gap is actually more than I, just Harrison's dominance. I think they don't have anybody in this division, which is why signing Julia Budd very under the radar, and by the way, she'll make her PFL debut on the undercard of this championship yep. card. That's a very strong move mo moving forward if you want to try to keep Kayla. That's right. I mean, they're trying to find actual people with her who I think hardcore fans might know could be like a good physical match for her. Like one thing about Julia Budd is she's a great athlete. I think a lot of times Harrison has fought people who were not just technically inferior to her, but they were massively overwhelmed with her athletic prowess. Bud seems to be much more of a sturdy challenge. Has faced the very best of her generation. Sometimes been lost, uh, you know, in certain cases, obviously. But 
uh, Harrison would be bet would be that would be a good challenge for her for sure. Absolutely. What this you, is tonight, you, Luke. I want to get this right. This is tonight, October twenty seventh. The fight starts tonight. Yes, they weighed in yesterday. What am I saying? The fights are tonight. I apologize. I am I am all over the place. Um, so we expect her to win. I want to talk about the free agency thing in just a second. Let's talk about some of the other fights on this card. BC, one thing that doesn't get any mention. I just want to point this out. Don Madge is on this card against Nathan Williams. You know who Don Madge is? Uh, no. Okay, so dude, Don Madge was this guy out of South Africa, and he fought in the UFC, and I he fought this guy named T. Edwards. T. Edwards, came, or Tay Edwards, whatever his name was, he came off the Contender Series. I watched his fight. He looked like the new Josh Koscheck, like Koscheck 2.0. I mean, built like a fucking brick shithouse. He was yoked, okay? <laughs> and Don Madge fucked him up to the point where I don't even know if T. Edwards has fought since then. And if he did, I don't think he won. Dude, Don Madge put it on him. In fact, I think he had two fights in UFC and won them both, but I think he was stuck in South Africa with the pandemic and visa issues and blah, 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 blah. Well, here he is now fighting for PFL. To me, this is a coup that they signed him and Bellator didn't or UFC didn't pick him back up or whatever. He's a primo talent, and he's fighting on this PFL card. So look out for Don Madge, a phenomenal fighter and great striking. But we got to talk about Clarissa Shields. She's taking on Abigail Montez. Now, Shields is favored somewhat heavily about a minus 230 240 in certain places our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook have her at a minus 240 BC I have to tell you I find what she is doing so admirable and the reason why is we had talked for years what would it mean if you got a high level boxer to actually come over to MMA and for all the many reasons we had ever stated it wouldn't work whether it would just the, the training would be too hard too late and about the money and blah 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 and where they would go Shields is giving it the old college try, and I don't know if she's going to win. She's favored, but I have so much admiration, even if it's for monetary reasons, that she is throwing herself into this kind of a fire. Yeah, she's young enough where this type of full-time effort, and full-time with an asterisk because she is planning on defending her boxing titles to keep that going while she sort of navigates. Uh, you know, and look, her success in the, in the short-term MMA might, may dictate that. But I, but you know, she's she's all in. I mean, she's in that gym in, in New Mexico every single day with Holly Holm and John Jones and everyone else working, and you see the results of that. That was great matchmaking. Her first nut fight against Brittany Elkin, in which she kind of was losing most of it until she wasn't, as Luke Thomas would say. And uh, I'm really interested in the second fight. It seems to be smart level of matchmaking. Somebody with a small amount of experience. I don't know the danger level in her opponent here, but this will give us a, a you know a lot more answers in terms of what we're getting. And I think Shields has such a fighting spirit that it's must see TV every time she gets in there. So smart move. We said it before. We'll say it again to put her on this championship card. I like what PFL's doing, but Luke, you can't bury the lead on the fight of the night on this card. I mean, you. I mean, look, I'll talk about Clarissa all day with you, but how are you going to look past this co-main event and just be like, oh yeah, let's go further on down the card? I mean, can you be responsible? Well, it is the co-main event. I just thought that Clarissa Shields... I, I, I'll just say this very quickly since we're going to move on. I'm not expecting a dramatic improvement from her first fight, but there are a couple of decisions in the takedown defense department I'm looking to see to see exactly how far she can push this experiment. Uh, to your point, Magomed Magomed Karamov taking on Ray Cooper III. Ray Cooper III, an absolute bulldozer out of Hawaii, has beaten so many good names that folks just did not expect him to do. Quiet guy, doesn't say a whole lot. Magomed Karamov, though, is bad at nothing, BC. Where do you see this one ending up? I cannot wait for this fight. It's the best fight on the card. 
I thought, you know, all year it would be Ray Cooper against Rory McDonald, which we ended up randomly seeing because of that uh, Gleison Tebow weird scorecard. We saw that earlier in the playoffs, and Cooper absolutely dominated him. Now this has become the fight. They've got history. The 2018 PFL Championship at welterweight was these two against one another, and it was Magomed Karamov who won a decision. But, Luke, I just feel like Ray Cooper is a better fighter from those days. His evolution has been really fun to see. Great, you know, top game in wrestling, aggressive, goes after it, seems to be more efficient in his strikes than he used to be. And, Luke, I don't, I don't know if you want to cross-reference some biblical Samson references here, but did you see that that incredible lock of hair that Cooper took nine years, according to Ariel's tweets, to uh, grow, has uh, he had to cut it to make championship weight. Did you see that shit, Luke? I didn't. I did not see that. So he's going to be coming in here bald-headed, ready to redeem, you know, one of his most recent losses. He also took a loss to former UFC vet John Howard a couple years back in PFL. But uh, Ray Cooper's the defending welterweight champion. The last time they did a tournament in 2019, he had lost the 2018 tournament in the finals to Magomed, Magomed Karamov. So storytelling-wise, Luke, this is a great rematch at a great time. Magomed Karamov, a minus 210 favorite. Ray Cooper, plus 175, Luke. We know what Magomed Karamov can do on the ground, how, uh, you asked me how I see this fight playing out. I, I think we're going to see a lot on the ground, but I wonder when it's on the feet if Ray Cooper can outstrike him and really try to try to get an edge to get to get past him. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of an up, uphill battle because Magomed Karamov has been lights out this year in PFL. Uh, he's been it's tremendous. By the way, I'm looking at this card. There's a ton of UFC vets on here. I mean, Jesus Christ, you can go all the way down, or, or Bellator too. I mentioned Don Madge. Well, Je- Jesus kid- is not on this card, Luke. He didn't tap, by the way, but he's not on this card. He's always on the cards. Uh, Caitlin Young was in Invicta. Julia Budwell was over in Bellator. Amari Akhmedov is on this card. Of course, he was in UFC. Jordan Young for a time. <clears throat> Roush Menfio is the guy who beat Anthony Pettis. By the way, here we are on the championships. No Pettis and no McDonald. I, it's, it's something of a proof of concept for PFL. Probably not the results they exactly wanted, but it does sort of show that they've got some talent over there that should not be overlooked, even if they don't have the celebrity name factor attached to them. I'll tell you who I'm not going to be overlooking tonight, Luke. It's in the uh, heavyweight championship tournament uh, final here when Bruno Capeloza. Remember him? We started to really yes. get on him the last couple fights as he's been climbing the ladder. Good slugger. I think he's Brazilian. He'll be the the slight betting favorite against anti Delija and anti How do I pronounce that, Luke? Can you please set me straight? Know. I don't right. know. Anyway, Luke, Bruno's been putting it on people. I like his striking. He's competent on the ground. He's a big dude. Um... This is going to be interesting because I think of anybody this this calendar year for for PFL besides Kayla Harrison, uh, maybe besides Magomed Karimov, Kapaloza has gotten my attention the most. Uh, yeah, he has been an absolutely heavy-handed, dynamic striker uh, this entire time. Also on the card, dude, Movlid Habulayev taking on Chris Wade. Chris Wade, former UFC vet. Uh, also, Shoeface, Antonio Carlos Jr., also former UFC vet, taking on uh, Martin Yeah, Hamlet. that's the light heavyweight championship out, Luke. That should be a good yes. one. Uh, th- th- this whole card is excellent. Hey, BC, is uh, PFL going to have like 45 different meaningless stats on the screen at all times for this event? Probably, probably. And, you know, do they always do they reach out to us to try to get interviews and then and then not respond back and then question us uh, on our reach of our show and all that. Uh, probably yeah. too, Luke. There's probably a history there, but uh, I will say I'm very interested in this card. They've had a great year. They really have, and and I hope that their their fight card tonight really comes through to to, to continue to echo that. 
Also, I just have to say, they call their cage the smart cage. To this day, I don't know what is smart about that cage. I don't know if it calls Uber Eats for you, or you can like use it like Alexa to like get the weather and then some songs. I don't know what about it is so smart, but they love calling it the smart cage just the same. Uh, okay, BC, so let's talk free agency. We mentioned Caleb That was very, very Jerry Seinfeld of you. What's the deal? Well, I just, I mean, you know, we're in the PFL smart cage. Motherfucker, what is smart about it? Nothing. It's, it's not, a fucking not only is it not object. smart at all, it's barely a yeah. cage. Yeah, that's yes. great. Okay. I mean, okay. Uh, you know, can you put more meaningless numbers on the screen, please? All right. Let's talk about this topic number three. Dana White talks free agency. There's two different situations to pick up or piggyback off of the conversation about PFL. Let's start with Kayla Harrison. This is the last fight on Kayla Harrison's PFL contract, which, of course, Makes us wonder, is she going to sign again with PFL and make just a fuck ton of money just clubbing up people who are no match for her? Or is she going to try and get some bigger fights and a bigger name with UFC? Here's what Dana White had to say about it. Quote, Kayla Harrison's a great example. PFL pays her an obscene amount of money to fight over there. If I was her, I'd stay right where she is and keep picking off the people over here. I think she means there. When you come to here, to the UFC... Amanda Nunes is no joke. Shevchenko is no joke. Rose Namajunas is no joke. These are all the best women in the world. These are the best female fighters in the world. I don't blame her. I would stay there and keep fighting the type of women she's fighting there before I would come here and fight in Amanda Nunes. BC, I don't know why he's bringing up fighters terribly <laughs> below her weight class. I think um, I know why. I think he heard my uh, call me crazy idea for women's heavyweight in the UFC. 135 to 155 is that window. So he's oh, like, hey, maybe Rose can move up, you know? Yeah. What do you make of his statements here? I'll tell you very quickly. It seems to me he's obviously just trying to lower her value because yeah. he does want to sign her and then doesn't want to pay a bunch of money to do it. Absolutely. Public negotiation 101 to be like, hey, you're making a ton of money over there. We don't pay our fighters a ton of money here unless you're in the very, very, very 1% there. Uh, you know, even John S. Nash will tell you off the record probably that these people are getting paid very well. But look, Luke, it comes off as crass and ridiculous. Um, it's interesting, though, because she has a very important decision to make. You know, go to Bellator. And set up a big cyborg fight and be a big free agent and make a lot of money there if they can back up the truck. Or go to UFC, and it seems by Dana's comments here, they're not going to back up the truck, but that does offer her a, you know, an, a chance, an awkward chance. I say awkward because she's regularly training at ATT with Amanda Nunes, so an awkward chance at you know climbing the top quickly and going in there and... and and making a run for Amanda Nunes, the go. I mean, look, there, there's a lot of history to be made there. Can she make the same money there? Based on Dana's comments here, I'm not so sure. And you have to wonder what PFL's offer to try to keep her will be. Because she is in a good spot, although the spirit of Dana's comments are, you know, pointed. She's also in a great spot with PFL. The competition pool is not that deep. I, they got Julia Budd in there. They're going to probably try to, uh, you know, again, I've said it before, go after Megan Anderson. Go after anybody with a pulse who can, you know, get close to Kayla's weight, who can fill out a tournament bracket here. But Kayla makes good money there. It's on ESPN for now. She gets the $1 million prize at the end if she can win the season and tournament, which she hasn't even been touched to this point. Um, but, Luke, she's a different breed, though. She's got a great manager in Ali Abdelaziz who's who's going to make sure she gets paid what she's potentially, you know, deserves. And I think she's talking to her enough, seeing her interviews. She wants to be great. She knows how great she can be. She can only be so great in the PFL. Look, she can only be so great in Bellator or anywhere else, although Bellator would offer her, you know, in the short term, 
you could really make that cyborg fight something special that people have to see. So, Luke, I had said when we originally talked about her free agency during the, the PFL regular season, is there some type of hybrid? Can PFL still pay her a lot and reach out to Bellator and say, hey, let's do a home-and-home home series, you know, Kayla and Cyborg. You know, we'll fight under both banners. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't even know if that's possible anymore, Luke. Although we just did that with, what, Horiguchi and Caldwell for Bellator and Risen. All I know here is um, I am very interested to see where she goes, Luke. Do you have a feeling either way? Because I don't. I don't know what the what the numbers are going to bring in the end. You know, if somebody somebody brings a lot of money to the table, that's going to sway it. We know it's a business. That's going to sway things. Who's going to bring the biggest offer? I I, I you're, the Bellator one about what extent their interest might be. I don't know. I don't know about that one. I mean, I, I certainly think you should take that seriously. I think if they wanted her, they could make a real push to sign her i think uh, as you mentioned ali's fighters more and more you're seeing a lot of them in bellator that wasn't always the case so you're seeing more of that that's a good sign potentially for uh kayla um i think scott coker could make effective use out of her the only thing i would say about kayla harrison is you know i don't pretend to know her all that well i've interviewed her several times i've had her in studio i've had a couple conversations with her off the record but nothing too serious but even with that i just she wants to be the best fighter in the world. Like, and, and, you know, she was the best judoka. She's, she is literally the best judoka in American history, male or female, n not even close in that one. And now she is clearly the best female fighter ever in PFL, which for whatever that is worth. And she's also made a substantial amount of money. I think she believes that over time with, with better opponents in brighter spotlights, she could probably make even more money, but also, I think she wants to be looked at as, I am the alpha here. I am the one who is in charge. Look at me. I'm the captain now. She wants that. I don't think you. she knows she can't really get that in PFL. UFC is probably going to be the best place for her, but you're right. You could do a deal why, with Bellator, and then the cyborg fights would be huge. Here's why she's not going to go to UFC. I figured it out. Okay. First of all, they don't have her division, although she's proven in the past in one fight that she can make 145, and she's, you know, I've interviewed her. I've asked her about it. She said, it's hell, but I can make it for the right fight. For her to, to want to compete regularly at 145 to try to build toward an Amanda Nunes fight for the women's featherweight belt under the UFC flag, she's going to want to be paid a lot to put in that sacrifice, and I don't think they're going to be willing to pay her that. I think they're going to say, look, you come in under a humble rate. If you can beat Amanda... God, we'll give you anything you want, all right? You want to go in my office and get that gun that has all the drugs in it? Whatever you want, you know? But not until you do that. You know how UFC works, Luke. They're not going to pay overpay up front to find out if she's the goods. Because of that, because they don't even have her division, and because they barely have a 145-pound division to begin with, she ain't going there, Luke. Not happening. That's a decent point as well. I, I tend to think... We'll see. We'll see what, what the UFC ends up doing with her. I tend to think that's the likeliest landing place. If 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 UFC is out, what is more likely, PFL or Bellator? Uh, uh, whoever gives more money. Simple as that. Well, then that would probably be PFL because the, she would just have to win the seasons and then you know mop up the floor with somebody on the on the I finals to get the million dollar check. We don't have any inside info here, Luke. We do know that Bellator is owned by our parent company. Uh, this would be the time if I'm Bellator and Viacom CBS to get a little creative and revisit the days of Strike Force and Fedor and Elite XC going on big CBS. If there's some type of connection there where like, look, if we can sign this once in a generation athlete potentially, which is what she's showing potential to be, 
that's a person you can put on primetime in people's living rooms, right? You know what I mean? People are going to follow the Kayla journey, the the single mom adopting the you know the children of her sibling to like I mean there's a story there of Olympic dominance, of professional dominance, of personal life dominance, and she's been through a lot to get here in her own personal life. I'm wondering if that's the hook. But, you know, we don't have no inside info. I have no idea what people are being willing to be paid. But that's a pro- that's an unknown just as where's PFL going to be on TV next year. That's also an unknown, Luke. Yeah, I just got to say, I find it hard to believe that the UFC is going to be like, oh, we have the best person from the United States who's ever been good at judo. Uh, two gold medals, undefeated pro MMA fighter who can make 145 and look brutal doing it. We're just going to pass on that? UFC doesn't need her. They don't. They don't need hardly any single one fighter in that sense. But the idea that they would just look the other way on this and let other promoters have at this stage of her developed career, I find a little bit hard to believe, but I guess we'll have to see. No one really knows until we get there. Now, the other piece there is about Nate Diaz. This one to me is a little bit more interesting, BC. Here's the quote from Dana White. Quote, that's a decision he needs to make, referencing Nate Diaz. Listen, for a lot of these guys, there's no secret about it. If you believe that you are one of the best in the world and you believe you can win a world title here or hang with the top five, then this is where you should be. The minute that you start doubting that is the case, you've got to start looking at other options. As far as Nate Diaz goes, he says... I don't know where Nate feels he is right now and what he feels his future could be if he signs with another four or five fight deal here. What do you make of this, BC? Uh, I mean, this isn't, even, this isn't even the, the, the juiciest comments where uh, Dana basically said, I'm not sure I believe Nate can beat a top five fighter, right? He sort of references, he, he makes allusions to it here, yes. Mikey pulled a bad quote. I'm going to blame Mikey, yes. Um, well, look, you know, Nate, Nate's Nate, right? You know, on the right night, he can do it against anybody. And he also, by the way, almost just stopped Leon Edwards. So I guess that throws that out. Yeah, this is probably Dana saying, uh, hey, by the way, Nate, you want to go do that? Because Nate's got an interesting point of leverage here. He's got a short window to make big fights outside the UFC if he wanted to. We've talked about it. You know, could he do a crossover boxing fight? Could he do a Conor McGregor trilogy after his? You know, that's a pipe dream, right? But uh, I wonder if this is, again, just Dana going, you're not as worth much, as much as you think you are, so maybe you should think twice before trying to take your brand elsewhere. Because the reality is, Luke, if they give him the Connor trilogy under the UFC banner and really promote it like it's the all-time great grudge match, it's a lot of money to, in, 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 you know, in, in, to be made there for Nate. A lot, a lot of good, good tidings in, in, in situations for him. So I think it's, it's Dana just, just being Dana. It's, I don't know. I mean, we get on Dana, Luke. Pretty damn shrewd businessman, though. All right? Not afraid to do it publicly. Not afraid to shit on his own product. To, uh, uh, I mean, you know, this, this is... Uh, what do you think? I have Let to me say, like- I, I actually feel like the chances of him leaving... I mean, on the one hand, you just sort of resort back to what you feel like would be the most common reason why he wouldn't go anywhere, which would be, hey, like, to your point, they could make all kinds of... Not all kinds, but there's probably three or four big, big-ish two or three big fights they could make and some other ones that they could make work. And so why would he ever go anywhere else? This is, you know, it's been a complicated relationship, but it keeps going back to what it is for those reasons. On the other hand, what he says there is kind of interesting. Not that I fully believe that, like, that whole thing about, oh, if you can't imagine yourself in the top five, then this shouldn't be the place for you. I mean, there's a lot of people who never even sniff that, who know that are not going to sniff that, who still want to compete. I don't know if Nate thinks he can beat most of those guys. I mean, maybe he does, but... The point being is this, 
What has been the rule about when UFC parts ways with people? It's when they feel like they've already gotten the best out of them. Not all out of, out of them, but the best. They've gotten the majority of the great nights they're going to have. They might still have a couple of great nights when they move on, but that's going to be short-lived and whatnot. Listen, you have to make a, re- a reality call here about Nate Diaz. How many fighters in the top five of either division would you pick him to beat? So when I say either division, I mean 155 or 170. I'm not saying he couldn't beat those, but gun to my head, I'm not picking him many times, if at all, quite frankly, at this stage of his career. Again, Leon Edwards and Conor McGregor, and who knows, who knows? I mean, again, it could be kind of complicated, but I don't know that he rests in the top five of either of those divisions. Definitely not a 170, and probably not 155 at this point either. So you have a couple of big fights you can make, and then what are you supposed to do? It's not really so clear. Moreover, if you're Nate Diaz and you can get a Jake Paul boxing match or something else, dude, you're going to make a fuck ton of money doing that. So I actually feel like the UFC, the, the right answer is probably he will end up there, BC. That's just how these things tend to go. But I have to say, I actually feel like the chances of him leaving are a little bit, a little bit higher than folks are understanding for reasons that both entities might have separate from one another. All right, let's say Nate left the UFC, to, you know, found out what his free agent uh, value was worth. And let's say that that weird pipe dream of Conor McGregor running out his contract and leaving UFC and do it. Okay, that's not happening, okay? What are the, the three biggest fights outside the UFC you think Nate w- could be a part of that he would want to be a part of that would draw money and be interesting to watch? Either of the Paul brothers in boxing. Um, honestly, I think it'd be kind of funny. You could make it work. There's a potential Dylan Dennis play. I think I was just going to say that him against Dylan Dennis under the Bellator banner would be, would be a fun way to use Nate. Just like, what do you think about MVP against Nate? Uh, I think that could work. And also dude, if you're Bellator, let's be real. Like you need someone from a ratings perspective who can move the needle famously, dude, Nate Diaz can move the needle. And Nate Diaz, I think, could find... I think Coker could find ways to matchmake for Nate Diaz where it fits along his interest in terms of the kind of fights he's looking for and that are winnable. Now, how popular those names are, it's a little bit complicated. But, dude, there there are some ways to make that work. Again, I tend to think he ends up back in UFC and that's just what it's going to be. But I wouldn't say it's automatic. I wouldn't say I will automatic. tell you this. Our, our producers jumping in, Gaff jumping in, saying Benson Hendo. Yeah, I mean, Dude, look. Who, they're, the they're fuck, fu- who would want to see that fight? That's a no, stop. I'll be into that. Two legends going in their belt. I'm into that. They already that. fought, and it fucking sucked. Stop that shit. Stop that. Oh, you're right. They did fight, and it sucked. You're All right, I'll take that back. In the moment, I'll dead wrong myself, Luke, like it's a Friday here. Um, what, tell me if I'm wrong. Nate Diaz versus AJ McKee, and I think I've said this before, could be Nick Diaz versus Frank Shamrock all over again for Scott Coker. Uh, yeah, you could do something kind of like that. Yeah, there's, there's, there are. You have, dude, I and you could put like it on Scott big Coker CBS. Nick or, Diaz better than UFC ever did. You could put it on big CBS or pay per view. Hey, imagine a world in which six months from now we're talking about what's Bellator going to do with Kayla Harrison and Nate Diaz. I don't think they're both going there. I don't know, Luke, but that'd be a wild yeah. world, right? Yeah. So okay, gun to your head. Does he stay in UFC or does he does he march? All right, gun to my head. Kayla stays with PFL and Nate stays with UFC because they they guarantee him the Connor trilogy soon, and I think that's going to be a part of the negotiation, right? Probably because that might Probably. be that might end up being the perfect Connor comeback fight. It really might. 
I don't even know what Connor's going to be doing at some point. I, I, you know, that's another thing. But you would say this, dude. I mean, I don't know how you could even argue with this. If Bellator ends up signing Nate Diaz, which seems unlikely but possible, but let's say they did, that's their biggest free agent acquisition ever, right? Let's let's talk quickly. What are the biggest free agent acquisitions in Bellator history? Cyborg. Yeah. Cyborg is a big one. Phil Davis at the time was a big one. Rory uh, was a big one because Rory was a big one. Hendo yeah. was a big one. Henderson. Um, yep. uh, I'm trying to think here. Um, yeah, star value. This would be the biggest one. Anthony Rumble value. Johnson's a big one. You know, they're Romero. saying Gegard. Gaff is reminding us of Gegard, but you know, you're talking about brand getting people to go there. Besides, seriously, besides re, besides signing Kimbo, this is probably the biggest one. Yes. Yes, that's a good point. Uh, oh, uh, let's go to our next topic if we can here, BC. I actually feel like, I don't know what people were saying about this online. I only saw what you sent me, and then I just read the article and did some thinking about it. I actually like this move. I think it's a smart move, personally. Mike Perry has finished his time with the UFC. His contract expired, and he has signed with dot, 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 BKFC. Yes, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. Very easy question, BC. Was this a smart move for Mike Perry? I never thought I'd say, is this a smart move for a fighter still kind of in their physical prime? And Mike's only 30, so let's give him that. Uh, is it a smart move to go to bare knuckle? Uh, yeah, I've never seen a more perfect marriage, Luke, really. I mean, normally, with the exception of Paige Van Zandt, who went there for, you know, the financial opportunity. And she, by the way, she said that she'll be fighting out her contract in 2022. And I bet you will see her in Bellator next year, which, by the way, could also be a big pickup ratings-wise for Bellator. Um, sure. This is I've never seen a promotion fighter more perfect for each other at this time. And, you know, Mike's recent UFC run has been bad. He's lost four or five. He's had some really weird nights at the office where he just got straight-up dominated or he had his pregnant girlfriend as his trainer. So um, he fits this, this barnyard circuit almost perfectly in fact luke i've reached out and said hey let's get him on this show let's i haven't talked to him since he hung up on me and told me to fuck off and that he'd kill me in person luke because i because i asked him that question about his ex-wife um i'm all i got nothing but love for mike perry and his growing family and everything so um he's a he's not a star meaning this will shift the 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 potential of where bkfc could be as a brand and all that no but he fits that who they are and what they're trying to be so perfectly that I kind I kind of you know I, I'm already starting to match make in my head. I mean, we just saw Dave Caveman Dave Rickles of Bellator fame beat up on the uh, Julian Lane of Let Me Bang fame last week. Um, give me Caveman Mike Perry. I'm kind of down for that, Luke. Speaking of him sending you to hell, we actually have the audio of that. Uh, let's hear it. All right. Is the best thing for what? You parting ways with the platinum. It sounds like you agree with that, bro. I don't know your life. I'm the guy that asked you the questions. Well, then why are you asking questions about my life? Talking about this person said this, this person said that. I don't fucking know nobody. Nobody knows me. That's for damn sure. I don't know why people talking to me about other people saying things about my life. What kind of question is that? Get your own life. You don't want to fucking talk to me about mine. Why do you give a fuck? Because you're a journalist. You don't get paid for this shit. What are you doing with your life? Fuck you, bro. Goodbye, CBS. I mean... <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was polite at the end. You know, he gave CBS a little shout-out, a little, little uh, deuces there. But, uh, yeah, what don't did, ask what, him... What did you ask him that elicited that response? 
so he had he had you know divorced the platinum princess and uh, two members of his former team in New Mexico. It was Frank Lester and uh, I forgot the other one was maybe Diego Sanchez came out publicly and said, Mike divorcing the platinum princess is the best thing that can happen to his career because it was so distraction heavy before that. So look, was it a was it a a, a question that had volatile potential? Of course it was, Luke. But you know, I asked the hard questions on this shit, Luke, and I said, look, this is what your ex team is saying. Do you feel like, you know, career wise, you're going to be going in the right direction now? And he's like, wait, who the wait what? Uh, why, why are you talking about my wife? Why don't you go get one? I got one. All right, oh, she's great. I love her. She's Fourteen I, I have years to say, strong. First of all, it's hilarious to hear that. But more, more to the point, I actually feel like this is a great signing for Mike. Mike is uh, first of all, he's just sort of built for this kind of thing. These fights are two minute rounds. You start close. It's nothing but punching. Um, you know, it's intense. It's quick. Those are the kinds of fights where I feel like Mike Perry shines. He has big power. He does have some skill. Obviously, he has skill on the ground. He beat Mickey Gall that way. Like he can, you know, he's I think he's a purple belt or something. Like he can, he can make it work on the ground. Obviously, if he ever wants to go back to MMA, but this simplifies to a degree. It doesn't make it easier, but it simplifies the training. A lot of the shows take place in Florida, where he's from. He has just the right look. He has just the right style. Uh, he's got a certain edge that I think the brand would probably like. Assuming he can, you know, stop getting into trouble or saying insane things. Uh, that the brand probably likes some of the edginess, the more palatable versions of it that he offers. Yeah, I actually feel like this is totally the right call. And as you mentioned, dude, they don't get a lot of guys at 30. They get a lot of guys at 35, 36, 37. Here you got a guy smack dab in the middle of his physical prime who has a style of fighting and striking perfectly uh, attuned to <clears throat> these demands. Yeah, everything about this signing makes total sense. I'm actually... Kind of curious. The only thing I would say is, BC, it used to be the case where if someone left UFC, we'd be like, oh, they're going to end up in Bellator. Dude, they often go to PFL now. They often go to BKFC. Is this, how do you view the role that they play in the marketplace? It, it sort of says that like Bellator's got some power. They've got a big roster. Obviously, they're on Showtime. Like, they've got a lot of things going for it, but there's just a lot of situations you can see where people want that million dollar tournament prize where they want the simplified training environment of a of a bare knuckle it, it, these are legitimate alternatives they are and you know and obviously i referenced the pvz signing that was like the first like oh wow that you know that's a big one of of somebody who's got star power and now you got a guy who's like you mentioned kind of prime still although that that losing streak you can't avoid in the ufc and oh by the way so you don't get dead wrong mike's from michigan but he resides in south florida and has for a while so that's what you're well, what i mean is he's there. got a kid he's got a kid and yeah ocean uh, he, he doesn't have to travel far if yeah. the shows are in florida i'd like to see ocean with one of those bkfc bibs on actually uh luke i wonder if do you think well this is the perfect brand at the perfect time hopefully mike's getting paid and hopefully he can have some success in there do you think if he has legitimate success, if he puts some wins together, this could be the launching pad to get him back as a, not hot, but a somewhat desirable MMA free agent? And I ask that because of this. Look, his his recent last two years, it's been a shit. It's been a, a shit storm for him. Before that, though, he's a, remember he's a co-main event that time and he was like the story heading into that fight night? He's a marketable guy. Say what you will about him. He's fun to watch, Luke. Yeah, um... I certainly think that he could. There's a potential way he could do it. Let me pop quiz you here real quickly. Who is the current one? I think they're, they do the 175 weight class. Who is their current 175 weight class champ? Do you know? No. It's Tiago Alves. 
Tiago Alves is that guy, which, by the way, Alves versus Perry is a great fight. And more to the point, if th- that you're illustrating my point, Tiago Alves is a great name, but he's certainly longer in the tooth. Obviously, he's much older now. And I think what BKFC is looking for is we need champions that folks recognize as our champion. Like, they know these names, and they know, oh, yeah, Mike Perry doesn't just fight in BKFC, but he's their weight class champion. Like, he's their welterweight champion. They, 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 they are currently lacking a little bit of that extra marketing push and I wonder if Mike Perry gives it to him I think I think he might but you know we should also note people go over to BKFC thinking it's going to be a walk in the park and they find out it's actually a lot more difficult than they ever imagined so I don't want to say he's got you know automatic success uh, ready for him but I do think he is well situated for those kinds of demands indeed all right well said real quickly last topic topic number five Last night was Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, which was pretty good. A lot of Chinese prospects on the card, which is kind of interesting. Most of them did not pan out this time, but you can tell what the future is headed. Uh, there was something else that kind of happened that was a little bit interesting. There was a, a fight between a guy natively from Afghanistan and then an Israeli. And during the weigh-ins, um, the gentleman from Israel called his opponent a terrorist because he refused a handshake with him. Well, why did he refuse a handshake? I don't think it was any kind of political reason. I think he just... Um, decided that he didn't want to shake his hand because the Israeli gentleman had missed weight by up to three pounds, which is pretty bad, especially if you're on the contender series where you're like you're trying to impress the bosses about your professionalism and whatnot. Okay, so in the end, if you watched it, the Afghan fighter, his name is uh, Basharat, he beat his Israeli opponent like a fucking drum. I mean, it was 10-8 first round, no doubt about it. Pace slowed a little bit in the second, but he was dominant in the third round. He just polished him off. Like it was nothing, finishing him with a mounted guillotine choke. I mean, it was a it was a shellacking, and so he was asked by John Morgan, "What what did you make of him saying that?" Like the 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 opponent calling the other one a terrorist uh, after the fact. Dana White had to say this. Uh, when you found out about uh, you know the face off yesterday, the the terrorist comment. And- yep. Um, I don't know if, if you thought about doing anything, you know what I mean? It was just, you know, I know you say all the time, is, hey, it's a fight business, people say mean things, uh, but, you know, that one seemed to maybe a little far. You, you know what my answer is to that. Um, are we going to do anything? It got done tonight. You know what I mean? That's the beautiful thing about this sport. I, I, I say it all the time. <clears throat> this is not no, a nice sport. No, I don't sport. know what you mean. This is a very rough sport. We say a lot of mean things to each other, a lot of, you know, uh, and, and and justice gets served at the end of the day. I mean, listen, when, when you have a situation like that, the best way to solve the problem is you fight, and you fight legally, and uh, you get paid to do it, and that's what happened tonight. Do you ever feel that there is a line, though, that you got to worry about, like, hey, maybe that was a little too far? No. no. Not, not in this business, I don't. Yeah. There's been, if, if you look, you can add that to the pile of some pretty nasty things that have been said in this in this sport. And not just this sport, boxing, I'm sure Muay Thai, kickboxing, you know, you, you name it. Mean things are said. In this insanely politically correct world we're living in, this is one place that is not. I don't even know what that is supposed to mean, BC. Or people uh, asking... street street justice got him in the end, Luke. That's what we do here in the uh, okay, UFC. Okay, BC. Uh, I, I mean, there's so many let, things. Let, let to me say react about that. to this. Go ahead, please, please go ahead. Uh, like I, I don't want to come off, you know, soy boy here, and I, and so I won't. Like there are there are there are elements of what Dana said that I do agree with because 
you know, boxing, the, the, the combat counter brother here of a sport, you know, there's a lot of bullshit in that too. A lot of stuff that gets said. And I do agree with Dana to this idea that I don't want, I certainly don't want the, the, the PC control that's come over our regular lifestyle obviously in some great ways, right? Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's objectively removing things like misogyny and racism. So it's actually great, but I don't want it to overly, there's a bad side to, to too much PC. I don't want it to overly come into the fight game. I want you to be able to disrespect your opponent. That's part of the game. And in theory, I agree with Dana on that, but he's way off in, 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 in just being like, well, it got handled, right? I mean, what if it got handled in the other way? What if the guy who called him the terrorist got the knockout and stood over him and did? No, the, the, what Dana says is there a line that things haven't gone too far. What he really means is things haven't gone too far yet. Because I, like, I hate being the guy who has to keep reminding everyone that like this isn't outlaw UFC 2006 or even 2008 or nine. Like this is 2021 corporate publicly sold UFC. So, you know, it's a different time and space and era and while I do think, like, you know, even if somebody calls their other, the other guy's wife ugly, I don't want to police stuff like that. But when you are doing things, and the only other time, Luke, I remember getting this amped up and serious about it was some of the rhetoric between Habib and Connor. When you're going to levels where you're insulting, you know, cultures, religions, and you're inciting situations where there could be payback and public payback, like UFC 229, when... Thank God everybody, including the police in the arena, did get things contained and controlled, but that had potential. I still don't think people realize this to be a palace brawl all over again that spilled into the crowd that got people from both sides, meaning the Connor supporters and the Russian Habib supporters, just going at it. Why? Because stuff, lines were crossed. Shit was said. There are many lines that you shouldn't cross and that if they do get crossed in UFC at a high level, Dana will have to step in. Luke, if, if you're going to have two guys, you know, call each other homophobic slurs and the two guys are stars and it's front page news, I'm sorry, Dana White and company are going to have to step in and should want to. So for him to just be like, well, you know, it sorted itself out. You, not anymore, dude. It's 2021. Like, you, you, it can't be that flippant because the first time that something happens that's going to potentially hurt your sponsorships or your brand, it's going to rightfully get dealt with. So... Let's have a let's have a larger strike zone compared to the NFL or whatever because it is the fight game. But let's also wake up and realize that you know there's some shit you just don't want being said under your brand's housing. You know what I mean? It's just it's it. We should be past that as a society. And I and I hope even in the fight game, there's sort of some unwritten rules of some things you don't say. I mean, Luke, what if we came out racially? Good God, that thing wouldn't last, you know, that Dana White would take care of it right away if this was an extreme racial or, or you know, homophobic or anti-Semitic comment, right? Yeah. You know what I mean, like, of yeah, course. Let's, let's, flip, let's flip the script here a little bit. Certainly, I would never endorse this. It would be absolutely morally and in, in every way repugnant, but we had an Israeli opponent. Let's flip the script here a little bit. What if the Afghan guy did nothing wrong here, or just any other opponent? What if someone came out into his face audibly, or maybe even in interviews, um you know, said Nazi slogans and gave a Nazi salute to his face. The UFC is going to be okay with this? Really? You're going to be okay with a Jewish opponent being taunted with Nazi salutes, maybe even Nazi imagery and Nazi statements? 
Your brand wants to be associated with that. This is not about political correctness. It's not a question of, do we have to find a nicer way to talk to each other? It's a question of, and I keep going back to it, and this is true not just for UFC. It's true for Bellator. It's true for PBC and boxing. It's true for top rank. It's true for everybody. The question is who you want to be in business with. And I, I agree with you to a large extent, BC, which is, dude, this is the fight game in so boxing or combat sports. If you can't fight in a cage or a ring in this country, you know, I don't know what you can do. I'm not calling for anyone's license. I didn't even call for this guy to get released. But I don't think that folks have woken up to the fact, number one, it's not a question of we want to police speech. It's like, dude, do you want to be in business with this person? He got lucky. The whole UFC got lucky that this didn't bubble up to a greater scandal. Because I can imagine that Disney and other third-party validators like DraftKings or whoever, if they had gotten wind of this and it had become a bigger story, this whole thing would have changed instantly and this idea that like there's no line really so like you can have a fighter go around and call all the members of your black and african-american staff he can call them each one by one the n-word he can call his uh, uh opponent the n-word like to his face audibly in interviews and there's no we, we we want to be in business with this person this is an obviously deranged worldview who on earth would ever say that's a ethical way to look at life. There's no line you can cross by taunting and saying these kinds of things. So there's the first part is that. I don't even understand that part, but I just need folks to understand something here. You got to wrap your head around that. These There's a, there's a current political movement that likes to uh, present itself as being especially strong, especially brave. The ones who've clearly got the common sense figured out, right? We don't bow to these woke mobs. We don't bow to these pressures to talk nicely when we don't have to. And again, to some extent, resisting those pressures is not the, is actually a good thing in, in certain ways. But you've got to understand, this is not a principled take about we're committed to free speech, we're committed to this, we're committed to that. The UFC, and in particular Dana White, they are incredibly sensitive about journalists critiquing them. They don't like that speech at all. Fighters going out and sharing details about uh, how they've been treated by matchmakers or their pay situations. Boy, they don't like that at all. This idea that they're committed to free speech is very conditional. It's not absolute. And more to the point, I'm going to go over this one more time. The UFC still has on the books a code of conduct. They used to find Nate Diaz for homophobic slurs and other fighters, and they got rid of that when it became when they realized that this is going to blur the lines between independent contractor and employee, and they let off the gas. All of this is not a principled stance about really sticking it to the woke mobs. This is about the bottom line. No one really in the no one really called them out on keeping this guy on the roster. I mean, he got his ass whipped, but no one really called him out on the roster about keeping them there. There was no price to pay, so they just went forward with it. If that had changed, they would have cut his ass and given us some statement about how they're committed to, you know, diversity and blah blah blah. And, and we would have called them and said that was, you know, disingenuous too. Whatever. All I'm trying to point out is do not be fooled into thinking. This is a principled stance that they want to take about what is the right way to navigate through the world as it relates to policing speech and policing different forms of uh, sort of communication or identity. This is about um, someone else has to deal with their malfeasance and their problems. It ain't going to be us because what we're focused in on is the bottom line. And when it is convenient for us, we will do X. And when it is not convenient for us, we will do Y, which is how most businesses operate, by the way. The UFC is hardly exclusive in this. I just want people to absorb this is not holding the line against woke mobs. 
This is holding the line on the dollar sign. It is no more and it is no less. Well said, Luke. Well said. And I think it's it's continually dangerous. And I get, I get a lot of hate on the internet whenever I bring this up. But, you know, when, when Connor attacked that bus and got zero, zero slap on the wrist from his own employer for like, I mean, he cost people fights. He put people in, you know, put Rose and people like in serious danger. And he was rewarded with the biggest fight in history. And Dana going, well, you should see how the legal fees he has. He got, you know, he paid his dues. It's like, when you when you act as a default like that, you're welcoming in down the line some really bad behavior that you'll have to you know retroactively try to clean up, and and it's it's not a good look. And people say, well, what about boxing BC? What about this star? What about these guys on Showtime that box and do that? Well, you know, UFC has an organizational level and a control and a league that nobody else in combat sports really has. You know what I'm saying? In, in a platform and everything where when you get that high up, when you become publicly traded, when you are on ESPN and have to answer to Disney like Dana did with the with the uh, Tai Chi Palace situation when there was no commission. Um, you know, it's like, I'm sorry. Like, it, different, you get to a higher level, there's different responsibility levels at the same time. So Dana could have snuffed this out just by saying, look, we don't endorse those specific comments. We'll talk to him. That's all you had to say. That's all you had to say, dude. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, yeah, and, and by the way, and there's no limit to what you can say, really. I mean, listen, um, Javante Davis has got a ton of issues, and he's going to be judged by a jury of his peers coming up, I think, in 2022. I'm not sure exactly when the court date is. Listen, he's got a lot to answer for, too. Everyone in doing business with him has a lot to answer for. No, And I'll say this. I also understand, just as well as you do, BC, if you wanted to be that woke mob, that puritanical mob, you're not going to be in combat sports business very long. You have to, on some level, understand you're dealing with a population that's going to have a difficulty, um, you know, uh, <laughs> living normal lives. I don't know how else to say yeah. it. I, I understand that, but yeah. but to be so open as to say we're, we, this is not we're we're not politically correct. We would never do something like this. It's like, dude, I bet if they flipped the script and you had somebody in a neo-Nazi gang saying neo-Nazi things and he could fight his ass off, you're really going to say you want to be in business with him? Stop lying. That's obviously not true. So yeah, we we got to get we we got we got time stamps here. We got to keep going, Luke. But um All right. I, All right. Hey, I got a great segment for you by popular demand. You ready for it? Let's do it. Wheel of death. Boom. Boom. Every Wednesday, I make Luke Thomas sit down and ask questions that he really didn't want to. So it's good faith responses from decently faith terms. It's called the wheel of death. Bump, bada, bump, 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 bump. No right, celebrities this. this week, Luke. No bullshit. It's what the people want. They're getting it. Okay, Scott Levy, the great Raven, you're getting this right now. Here we go. Here are your 10 categories for this week's wheel of death. Regular booty. Pins and needles. Strip club food menus. Too hot to handle booty. Luke Thomas is still pissed. Peeing on ants. Thick podcast hosts. Five alarm fire booty. Absentee fathers and killed by kindness. Luke, five spins. There's 10 categories. You get what you get. All right, let's go. We got to move this along. Sorry, it went too long. Pins and needles. Yay, pins and needles. Luke, let's face it. Good old Dr. James Naismith would probably be shocked to see what his peach basket game has evolved to with things like the shot clock and three-point shots and dunks and all that stuff. So, Luke, given that MMA is less than 30 years old, I often wonder what foundational parts of today's game will we think are just obsolete 20 years from now. So what if I told you I could see in the future 
at 2045, 20-something years from now. And MMA looks very similar to now, except for one major change. Fighters who are able to take their opponents down and get to mount can score a victory by keeping their opponent's shoulders down for three full seconds to score a fight-ending pinfall. Yes, it's like amateur wrestling and pro wrestling mixed together under the MMA flag. Explain to me the potential pros and cons of what that rule change might do to this sport over the next 20 years. Um, so you could win. Is it only from mount holding the shoulders or like side control too? If you'd have to get to mount, and if you can hold okay. down the shoulder for three seconds with the ref counting, in addition to submission or knockout or, or quitting, you, could add that. you can get a pinfall win. I don't think this would substantially change things. Getting to mount is difficult to do. It's hard to do. Securing mount and holding the position is hard to do. And then pins from mount, they obviously can be done, especially if you can scoop both of the underarms uh, and then you can wrap your hands around the top. It becomes a lot more easy to uh, hold someone there. But that is a skill that is just not widely developed. I think you would see it. I definitely think you would see it. What would be interesting is, would this count? So I get to mount on my opponent, and my opponent lazily just lays there. Does that count? If they lazily lay there for three counts, does that count as a pin? Yeah, so so okay. the, the real effect of this wouldn't be the pinfalls so much as the threat of the pinfalls and how right. that would change grappling. That's right. And so it would, it would require you to be on your side, which you're supposed to be anyway, but it would require you to be on your side. What would be interesting is like ha the mount part is interesting, but like from half guard, you would still get some laziness there because it wouldn't really count. I would say it might make things a little bit more interesting from the control position, but I, A, I don't think there'd be a lot of it, and B, I think the fans would revolt because they just wouldn't accept that that was a dynamic way of winning, especially if like, let's say you, like, someone gets the takedown, they get the pass, they get the mount, they get the pin. But before that, they got their shit rocked and they were bleeding everywhere. And it was only because this guy's ground game is not that great or maybe he was injured, whatever. Like you just, you kind of lucked into this one new style of Yeah, but you can luck into a submission like Anderson Silva against Chael Sonnen, right? Yeah, but a submission, I mean, there's a granting and an acceptance of the position. You are willingly saying, I give up. Even if someone grabs your shoulders. Three seconds, uh, bro. Three seconds, though. That's a I lot. I get it. I get it. I, 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 I think it would, it would certainly add some dynamism to the passing and then the mount game. But even then, I think fighters would probably still not go for it all that much. It would be a slight change, not a significant one. Okay. That's fair, Luke. That's fair. It's a good faith response. Let's go to spin number two. Whoop. Yes, yes, he still, is. I'm always pissed. Luke Thomas is still pissed. Luke, we all remember your short-lived but very explosive SB Nation digital show titled Luke Thomas is Pissed that saw you, prominent MMA journalist, openly taking hilarious shits on everything from politics to pop culture and sports in between. We've got some video in the background of what that used to look like. You had less gray. You had a weird 61 behind you. Luke, um, I'm speaking honestly here. That was a pretty badass show. I used to watch it, and I was entertained by it. It was creative, and you were very aggressive. But that shit didn't last. What no, is the true story behind the show's origin, why it didn't work, and why have you not created a combat sports-only version of this that can run under the MK banner as a standalone franchise? Uh, I could do it again. Here was the issue with it. I actually called it off. It didn't fail in the sense that uh, SB Nation wanted to stop. They wanted me to keep going. I chose to stop. 
So this was their idea to begin with. There was MMA fighting, which was under the umbrella of SB Nation, and that was the uh, MMA fighting was the MMA vertical. And then there was a whole video team that was uh, separate from that, just with SB Nation. The the separate video team, they liked me a lot. MMA fighting, I thought, didn't ever really like me, but they liked me a lot. And then they came to me and they pitched me. And they're like, hey. What they liked my takes or whatever the fuck. The, the show that, uh, the crew that filmed MMA fightings, the MMA beat, also filmed this one, including the producers. So the producers came to me. They're like, we're looking to expand content. What if we had a show where you just shat on everything? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. And so we sort of worked out the format and I tried it. So I wrote the, I wrote every episode with a, but like my best friend, as a matter of fact, uh, who lived in New York, we would write these together. And the reason why I stopped doing it is because I think at the time I was like, I forget exactly what was happening, but I was trying to make sure that all of the... Th I had, I knew that this was a fun thing to do, but I didn't think it was going to go very far, even if I kept going. And it was a nice little distraction, because I'd hardly ever touched on combat sports. In fact, I think I've maybe done one combat sports story the whole time. I want to do other stuff. Um, but I was trying to make sure I could focus things on MMA, and it was just so much work to get these just right. And the other part was... Like I would, I would record a big thing and then they would edit it down without my in input. And I often didn't like the way they would leave out jokes that I thought were fucking awesome. So, uh, so, so, so like me end, creating this segment, you wanted to do your long intros, but the fans were like, they're too long. <laughs> the, the long story short is that it was a fun thing to try. I'm glad I did it. I'm the one who called it off because it was just too much work, but, um, yeah, that's the story. That's how All right, I got two quick follow-up questions. One, look into that video right now, Luke. That's what you could look like if you colored your hair and beard. You'd look young as shit, Luke. Well, I'm working on the weight loss, so give me some time. That's already in motion. Had another good weigh-in today, by the way. I'm feeling fucking good. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So I'm pretty happy with that. Did you grab uh, the towel, DC style? Uh, Luke, no. The no, other I didn't question. Need, I didn't need, I, actually, I didn't need to. I came in a pound and a half under the goal. I was fucking oh, happy wow. with that. So, yeah, right, yeah. I'll applaud that. Good to hear on that. So, um, Luke, so, the yeah. other question is, do you think this could work, given your platform, if it was combat sports only, and you, to make the kind of jokes that would zing and hit, you'd become an enemy of the fighters. Would you, be, would you want to do that if the money was right? Would you be willing to? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay, cool. Hey, I'll be your writer if you want. We can recreate this, Luke. All right. Yeah. Well, I can't make every joke about my testicles, baby, please. So we'd have yeah, to get yeah. a little bit more variety. But uh, yeah, I, dude, I enjoyed it. I like that. You know. All right. Three spins to go, Luke. Pick your portion here, we go. here. Let's do it. Peeing hey, on peeing ants. on ants. We've all done that. Luke, some people say that when it rains, it's just God taking a pee, right? Well, uh, no, it was uh, they, the Romans used to believe that it was God pissing through a sieve. There you go. There you go. And if I pour a can of soda on an ant, he probably thinks that it's an acid rainstorm or that the ozone layer has fully broken or that Total Recall isn't just an action movie, but possibly a preview to our planet's future once the aliens reveal themselves and procreate with the human species. I say all of this nonsense to say, Luke, that no matter how smart you think you are, we don't really know everything or even anything truth-wise about space, the solar systems, the planets, or any other final frontiers just like that damn ant that I'm pissing on doesn't know that it's not raining, Luke. So with that in mind, imagine your daughter in a year or two starts really wondering things about space and, the, and, and exploration and all that. 
And she's looking for you for a detailed, educated, direct answer. What's your best guess for what the Earth's role is in the larger solar system and how much life is actually out there and really how long it will take for our species to to realize the truth, Luke? The truth being? Whatever that truth is, so to speak, because I can't sit here and believe, Luke, that we are the only life form here on Earth and that our nine planets are the only you know, life form in this universe. So how would you, based on your studies, accurately describe that to your daughter? And, you know, uh, how far are we on actually finding this out, Luke, as, as a society? How far we are along, I do not know. I don't know what the answer there could possibly be. I guess we'll have to see. There are, of course, all those uh, UFOs that have been recorded by Navy pilots that are interesting, um, but still debated. Uh, I'm with you. I firmly believe that uh, if the distance between the Earth and the sun is approximately, not just the distance, but in the development of solar systems, plus that distance where you you have this relationship of mass being collected after the formation of a galaxy and and then a solar system in particular, and then the distance between the Earth and the sun, these are the conditions under which life can possibly be created. You look at the, the, the overwhelming numerical scale of things, it is impossible to believe that we are the only ones that are sentient beings. There's obviously other life. They have found bacteria on meteors, for example, um, that could not have come from the... Uh, I think they found some stuff in space, but even then it could not have come through entry into the atmosphere. So we already know that on a basic level, there are other forms of life beyond ours. But for sure, there have, has to be um, in the grand scale of the universe. My explanation would be like, you know, if you're asking like, why is there... Are you asking like, why is there something other than nothing? Kind of a question. Okay. Like, why is there a big bang kind of thing? I, I, I'm just, I, I'm looking for your personal views on, on what's out there mixed with like, I mean, look, we went on the moon in 1969. I don't really think we've done shit since then. So um, we've had an international space station that's been in, uh, a, a focus of international cooperation for a long time and has done some engineering. We also landed on Mars with, uh, with uh, robots, basically. Um, and have sent so a lot of stuff back from our collection on Mars. We've not done nothing, but I agree. Like of a I mean, would you be shocked to kind. find out that Earth is the equivalent of like when you walk around and look down on the ground, there's a tiny pebble there? Sure, I think the pro- I think the scale of life is vastly beyond um, what we can imagine. The question is like, what does it look like? How will these different life forms ever make contact with one another? Under what circumstances? That is very, very hard. I couldn't possibly offer an answer, but I do believe very firmly um, it's impossible to believe that we are merely the only life forms. I do think we probably have had contact on some level with other forms of life uh, beyond just simple bacteria on meteors. But how and when that will happen and what that will look like, I'm at the mercy of uh, Independence Day movies. I mean, what if I told you I knew for a fact that, that there are other life forms all around us, Luke? We just can't see them in this spirit realm. Well, you're just saying words that don't mean anything. All right. Who would be the first in your friend circle to admit they would bang an alien? That's really what I want to know, Luke. You. Because one day that's gonna we're going to cross over there, okay? I've seen told You, and you would justify it with like, oh, uh, I, it, it doesn't count against my marriage because it's not an earthling or some shit like that. Luke, the more that I try to think about these vast topics, my mind just swells and I realize we don't know shit. Forget what the government's not telling us, Luke. We just literally don't know shit. We have no idea. Nothing. Yeah. And All we right. will die as ants in the universe. You're damn right. Uh, with we coke will. being poured I mean, we could be, we think we're the elite species because we killed all them dinosaurs. Luke, we may be, we may, we, I mean, we're idiots. Let's be fair. All right. We're, we're pretty, also, we didn't kill the dinosaurs. They went extinct. 
So who? So chicken and egg. Who? Who did what? What they run out of food, Luke? What happened? I'm sorry. Are you? Is your impression that man existed at the same time as dinosaurs? You know, and I don't. Just I don't really. To death? My impression on a lot of things is, especially uh, you know, there's a difference between to me to be between like faith based things and like just history. There's a lot of history that I'm like, I, you know, how do we have any freaking idea what went on two thousand years ago, Luke? All right. How old? How old do you imagine the Earth to be? You know when a tree gets cut down and they look at the rings and go, oh, this tree's been around for 200 years. You don't have a freaking clue how old that tree is, all right? They actually can do carbon isotope ratio testing. Um, and guess what, Luke? The 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 sailors in the uh, in the 400 uh, thought it, uh, in the 400 year uh, thought like many NBA players that the Earth was flat. All right, Luke. Okay, until they found out it wasn't right. Uh, okay, well, you're just saying words now that don't mean anything. They have a pretty strong degree of scientific certainty uh, based on the half-life of objects. Oh, don't don't sit are. here on science. Luke, a lot of science is, is projection, okay? Uh, that doesn't mean anything, but go ahead. <laughs> Luke, sometimes you are... I'll say this about you. It's a, it's a respectful uh, insult. Sometimes you're too smart for your own good, okay? I don't think that's true. All right, five oh, alarm wow. fire boot. Jesus, that sounds like wow, not topic, the regular finally. booty that was on the wheel. Luke wants the five alarm fire booty. All right, Luke, consider this a moral dilemma. The houses in D.C. and your neighborhood are built close together, I'm assuming, because it's a city, right? More or less, yeah. Imagine you and your wife go to put your daughter to bed tonight, and as you are closing the blinds, you notice that not only have the new neighbors moved in, a middle-aged bald man and his much younger LBB of a wife, but Luke, beyond moving in, they are undergoing a full strip tease next door with their blinds up. The next night, you go to close the blinds again as your wife and you say goodnight to your daughter. And that strip tease, well, it's escalated, Luke, okay? They're, uh, <laughs> wow, it's erotic as shit, all right, Luke? Uh, that third night, you run to the window to make sure your wife and daughter don't see you. And you notice that, okay, yep, this is, uh, there's something going on here. So, Luke, what do you do next? I've got a moral dilemma that has three answers. You pick one, what you would do. One, tell no one and privately enjoy that show after you put your daughter down each night. Two, tell your wife and the two of you can decide together what to do next and how to navigate this awkwardness between close living neighbors. Or three, head on over by yourself, knock on the door, and ask your neighbors to be more discreet, considering your daughter's window is like 10 yards away from them putting on the uh, leather and the ball and gag, Luke. Um, what would you do if your son was at home crying all alone on the dead the living room floor, Luke, because he's hungry? You know what I'm saying? What would you do in this spot? Where's that 90s counter? <laughs> That's nowhere. early 2000s, please. Okay. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I would split the difference between one and two. So what I would do is I would watch for several nights and just be like a complete perv <laughs> and be like, this is money. And I can't believe how easily I lucked out. But you have to know this is see, this is what gamblers get in trouble. They're just like, oh, I'll just keep doing this forever. Mm -mm, that doesn't work. I would watch for a few nights and then I would be like, all right, this is this is enough. And then only after I have indulged privately, well, not so privately, I suppose, but indulged. Only then would I be to my wife, you won't believe what these creeps are doing. Let's go. You got to see this. What should we do about it? And then I get to enjoy the nastiness of my neighbors 
with the you know with the upstanding behavior of a uh, uh, model citizen for a husband. I think you're trying to create your you're trying to order off the menu here and be like, well, I would get my wife involved, and then the two of us would watch it every night together, and it'd be it really no, it'd be a no. I'm not doing that shit. It's no. Better than chocolate, yeah. That's that's, yeah, that's we're great. not swingers. No. All no, right, not all right, that. Luke. That's all pretty gross. The correct answer, Luke, by the way, was uh, was was one. Just so you know, the correct answer was number one. Thank you very much. All right, Luke, All right. Uh, you got one more spin. I don't know if this wheel's ever coming back. You got one more spin. Let's see. I like the the wheel's good today. I like the wheels a little bit quicker. All right, here we go. Let's see what we got. Killed by kindness. Luke, I want a legitimate answer here. You don't like long intros, so let's ask it like this. What's the nicest thing anyone has ever said to you about you? Jesus. Um, you know, that had a lasting impact that references and rings true in your mind often either to remind yourself that you ain't that bad or just to motivate yourself, Luke. I mean, we all love, we all love positive reviews, positive comments in the YouTube. We all love that shit, Luke. Okay. We love when our dad calls us up and says, good job. So what's the time, you know, that you were the most were like, yeah. I'm gonna say I think I, I don't know if I can remember any one particular compliment, but uh, I can say just in terms of how my parents received me at that time, um, I can say like the two proudest moments that they had, and obviously my mom dis- was deceased not long after the second of these two, so obviously you know them being both of them proud is a, a fairly narrow window at this age of my life, but um, they were beaming with pride when I graduated boot camp. They had a lot of nice things to say that day. Um, an unmistakable, unmistakable pride for sure was the one I'd say there. And then on the other side, um, graduating college, I got I got a lot of nice comments because I was a double major and everything. And um, I I actually picked. It was kind of funny. You you can pick if you're if you're a double major, you you can only go to one graduation ceremony, so you have to pick which major that is. And the major that I picked, I graduated philosophy, but my major that I picked was government. The reason why is because the original William & Mary, which was built in the 1700s, um, it's called the Wren Building. It's the main building of campus. Uh, If you're a government major um, or political science, you get to have your graduation ceremony in the grass garden outside of the Wren ceremony or the Wren Building, which is perhaps the best one anywhere on a campus that was built, you know, obviously in the 1600s. And so I did that, and it was such a big occasion, and my parents were there. It was the last time they were ever together, actually. Um, And they had a lot of nice things to say at that time. So, I mean, I've had people say nice things, don't get me wrong, but unmistakable joy on everyone's faces is not a look that I get a lot of. Um, I got them on those two days. I got them on those two days. It's funny, you you gave out that look when you saw your neighbors through the window when you were trying to put your your daughter down, but you've never Yes, but I was fully clothed, and my parents were the other times. That that one, I was, you know. Okay, okay. Okay. Well done, Luke. We try with this shit. We tried. There's your damn wheel for today, all right? All right, so we have to do uh, fan subs, my friend. Roll right into it, good sir. Yeah, morningcombat at gmail.com. You know the routine. Friday, Dead Wrongs. Wednesday, you send us your picks, your memes, your whatever. Let's roll, Luke. We referenced it last week because it was such a big moment. I'm going to ask you straight up. Does this make him our fan of the year for 2021? We've got mail. We've 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 got mail. The great bassist for Dead & Company, formerly of the Allman Brothers, O'Teal Burbridge, shared with us some fantastic picks of showing up at the Red Rocks Theater outside of Denver, Colorado, on tour with the dead, Bob Weir, John Mayer and company, wearing our 
freaking merch, Luke, on stage with all them hippies living and loving it up. Good yeah, God, I mean, this guy. First of all, that venue is iconic, and that gesture is amazing. Truly, truly amazing. Shout out to you, good sir. Oteo slapping that bass. We appreciate it. We love you back. Thank you. That's some web scream like shit right there. I'm real I'm, I'm real sure. happy about that. For all sure. right, let's go to Paul. He says, I'll start by saying this show is perfect. And I and don't listen to all the donks that try to get you to change anything about it. The true donks out there love the show because you guys are out there being yourselves. You don't cater to anyone. So I figured I'd send in a picture of me enjoying some of my favorite brew while watching my favorite show. Keep up the great work, and Luke, you can look as hard as you want. But you're going to find nothing but stellar cable management. Wow. That's how it's done. Look at that cable management. That's amazing. He did a great job with that. Unbelievable. Salute, sir. I mean, hey, he hit it behind all them. your doors, by the way? Yeah, he hit it behind all them plants. But I'll, I'll accept that, Luke, okay? Uh, me too. That's good. Big fan of this guy, Paul. All right, Pavel is here, Luke. You think it's Pavel of, the, uh, of Shevchenko fame? Well, greetings, donks. Your mug landed in Bidgosas, Poland. Try to spell this shit, I dare ya. Just want to give good morning vibes while updating my VM for testing. Luke, what's a VM? I don't know. I don't care about cable management, so if you, Luke... So F you, Luke. Wow, Pavel's like, Luke, I don't care about it, so fuck yeah, off. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell uh, he BC, doesn't. you're cool. I'm out. Cheers. Keep this shit up. P.S. Will you cover Uberim versus Rico for all the Mexican supplements? After that, Reem uh, versus Botter. This guy's writing in gibberish. I can't read the rest of it. Yeah, he was, Wolverine was supposed to fight uh, Verhoeven, and then Verhoeven fought, uh, I think, uh, Ben Sadiq. So. Yeah, the hardcores are mad at us, Luke. The two weeks in a row, we didn't cover kickboxing. I know. We fucked that up, too, quite candidly. But All right. Pavel, thank you for buying our merch out there in Polski. We love you. A uh, couple, po couple uh, Luke, what's Polish fare? Pancake? Uh, po the, the pierogies, right? Pierogies. Pierogies, Punchkeys. Yeah. The donut. Oh, the punchkeys are... Oh, all right, let's get back to normal. Brett says, Dear Luke and BC, I'm an MK Day One fan. Thanks for everything you do. Uh, here I am getting in some fitness training in my Factory Town MMA t-shirt. Fortunately, the shirt is only printed on the back, so I didn't have to show my face. Shout out to trainers Kelsey, Aaron, and Anne-Marie at the Integrated Combat Center in Sydney, Australia. Love this shit, Luke. Boy, look at the traps on this muscle-bound man. <laughs> Hey, he's a little older, Luke, but he's showing that you can get out there and get it done while wearing our merch, all right? I know. I'm, I, I like to, I like to uh, roast our... Uh, I don't know why I started doing this, but I kind of like roasting our audience, even though they're doing incredibly nice things. Yes. So that's a great shirt, great use of it. Uh, do some shrugs. All right. Thank you, sir, Brett. Thank you for that. Uh, Peter's got two photos. He says, uh, I've been a fan of Luke since the live chat was on YouTube and when he used to be on Spike TV. BC is cool, too, because it is nice to have someone who can make a joke and counter Luke's serious style. The first pick is me enjoying my two favorite beers mm. and some tacos. The second one is me in my 30s that has just passed about to eat this Simpson-inspired donut from oh Universal Studios. Thanks for everything. Love watching your show on my drive to work each day. Love watching your... Oh, maybe someone drives him, Luke. I don't know. BC, first of all, he's got a man bag. So eat shit on that number one. No, I don't know. That's I don't know about that. Is that a real? Is that a real man? I mean, you try to sit here and act tough and be like CBC tough guys wear man purses from Europe. No, they don't. They really don't, Luke. They really. It's not from. Don't. It's not from Europe. It's a Chrome bag, uh, which yeah, is yeah. They really. Brand. They really. Where I come from, Luke. You're like BC, last the other day. You're like BC. You ain't an animal because you won't kill. You ain't a, a real man because you won't kill an animal and eat it yourself. Well, Luke, at least I'm not wearing a man bag. All right. 
Yeah, that doesn't help. I would rather be the guy who actually can hold a firearm and kill meat versus the guy who thinks that carrying shit in an efficient way is feminine. All right. Well, Peter, thank you for uh, taking down that donut and those beers and those tacos. That donut looked awesome, by the way. That did look very good at Universal Studios. I'm sure it cost him $36. All right. Lee slides in. He says, not since I had emailed Luke berating him for his positive views on an upcoming Diaz Masvidal vault had I suffered such a fail as I did when attempting to deadlift last week. This week, I tried again sporting my MK merch. Turns out the MK merch has some anabolic properties and took this one without too much of a problem. Big fan from Scotland. Keep up the hard work. Can we blow this up, Luke? I need you to talk about his form, his physique, why he's ordering small t-shirts on a medium-sized frame. This is pretty good, actually. Um, He does a little bit too much of a lean back at the top, but that's a small thing. That's not a huge... You can just hurt yourself if you lean back. You see these guys who do the Matrix things at the top? It's a little bit too much. All you really need to do is just squeeze your glutes together, which he did. He did. He did all that, too. Um, It does look to me like his hips don't go quite low enough, but I could be wrong about that. It's hard to tell from this angle, but all in all, that's a a pretty smooth pull, man. I mean, maybe he doesn't quite set his lats. I mean, there's small shit you could... You could get after. He sticks his dick out there, which you know he wears some looser pants. Guy, Jesus Christ! I don't need to see. I don't need to see that fucking you know belly button sticking out underneath your dungarees. Uh, look at I me. Mean, look at that. Go back. Go back. I want to see his hog. Go back. <laughs> look at this. Wearing these pants. Look at this. I want everyone to see my dick when I squeeze my glutes. Watch. 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 Squeezes him. Oh, look at that! Oh penis. yeah, this guy Scottish Lee. He's got big time BDE. We don't have time. For I can't this hear you, BC. Dick, Luke, all right. Oh, here we go. Hold uh, on. Peter says, down. "What's up, Sun Punchers? Little shout of me on vacation in Nova Scotia. I'd love to tell you that I'm ripping some dime bag and Pat Metheny licks because I swing both ways, but I'm actually just making my own shit up. I'd rather not lie to the gentlemen who bring me the truth almost every day, all day." Any chance of a UFC pay per view reaction vid with both of you guys? Maybe take turns sleeping. Fan since day one, fan to the no doubt ugly ending. And the ending will be ugly. Let me tell you that. Can we zoom in quick? This guy, Peter, look, he says he swings both ways. I think he's saying musically. I'm not sure about his uh, actual orientation, but I love him in that BDE shirt. And that's a nice looking guitar he's got as well. It is a nice looking guitar. Look at that setup too on that. Like it's like a mini iPad or whatever the fuck he's got going on there. That's a yeah. nice little thing going. I like that. That's a good setup. His pants yeah, that's... don't match anything. And they're the worst things I've yeah. ever seen in my life, but everything else. <laughs> is nice. That's Yarmouth County, Nova Scotia. He's at, you know, he's having a little vacation there. I don't know if there's women involved. Not really going to ask further, but thank you, Peter. Uh, let's go over to Gregory day one fan. Thanks for the new merch. I've had to work out alone since January 6th. But recently, I've been able to bring you two along with me to the gym. It's always nice to have other wash dads to work out with. Keep up the great content. I can't wait to get that drug rug when it drops. Hey, order today, Greg, all right? You know what's funny, actually? His technique is pretty good all the way around. There's not a lot about that I didn't like. 
Well, there was a lot about that video. I didn't like, Greg, are we fucking or fighting right now? What are we doing here? I mean, you, if you, I said when you're going to come on, I didn't mean like this, okay? But thank you for ordering much of our merch, Luke. This guy, he knows his way around that gym. He does. He is an experienced lifter, you can tell. Uh, also, please quit sticking your ass out in jean shorts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I bet he's strong as F, Luke, like Brendan Schaub. Strong AF, yes. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, Tezos is here. Well, someone had to do it. I felt the duty to step forward. Regards oh from Greece. Oh, that's wow. Just, that's just, that's the guy that came out before, uh, well, probably Tyson many years. Tyson Fury. But, yeah, yeah Tyson Fury fight. Yeah, this is uh, uncomfortable. That is not, that is not good. Thank you, Tassos. Tezos? Don't Tezos me, bro. Uh, no Name sent this in. Hey, Luke and BC, you recently spoke about putting pins on a map where all your listeners are from. If you ever do it, be sure to put one in for Johannesburg, South Africa. I've had problems trying to keep get my merch shipped down here, so here's just a couple of memes I cooked up for you. Mahatma is a title, should not a name. Uh, and also, BBL doesn't need an apostrophe before the S, but yes, this is a great one. <laughs> He's got two more. What else we got here? <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I like that. Last one. <laughs> These are very good. These are very yeah, those true. Are, those are on point there, no name. Thank you very much. All right, we got a man named Adrian who has three A's in his name, Luke. It's interesting. Okay. We, we, we got to move this along. Let's see. Me. Yep. Yep. That's fair. All right, let's go over uh, to Patrick. Love the extra credit segment y'all started. Keep up the great work. It's Patrick from Baltimore, or Baltimore, as the locals call it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, he nailed it. He nailed it. Big booty Latino. That is, that is fair. That is yep. fair. All right, Jordan with an E has a fan submission. I do shirt art for grindcore and black metal bands for a hobby, and I made this art from one of your promo photos. Oh, he drew That's it. Great, yo. He said he drew this uh, black metal art style. Look, he did. Although the name looks more like it's melting than it is like lightning kind of veiny thing, but still looks pretty good. Gross veiny. Uh, thank you. Uh, what's that guy's name? I don't know. Jordan with an E. Thank you, sir. That is that is pretty. That's good art. I, I know art. That's good art. Uh, let's go over to Tune T O O N. He's got two memes for us. With Hasbulla, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, Hasbulla, that guy, that guy's something, yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, that's us, Luke. That's our family, okay? You got anything else from this guy? <laughs> that's pretty good, too, actually. All right, one more from Alan W., who's indulging in the Squid Games, just like Luke. <laughs> oh that is you don't get that i mean you get you halfway get this joke but you don't actually it's get the not full my fault joke. i was born in the 70s and don't get this luke it's not my fault you should watch squid game that is uh dude that's that's more clever than actually you might might appreciate um that's good. That one, that's the best one all day. That's that's right. really, really, really good. Thank you, folks, for all of your uh, memes, for your pictures, for buying our merch, morningcombat at gmail.com. Shout out to all the audio-only listeners who have no idea what they just heard or saw because they ain't seen shit.
Thank you very much. That's all. That's it. Look, we got to go. We got things to do, All right, do, bro. we have to get out of here. So let's be very quick about this. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly may. Showtime.com, you get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, go pound sand. Drug rugs are available for pre-order now. Go to morningcombat.store. If you want one, this is the time to get on it. Don't go anywhere else. That's the only place you can get it. And a special um, price, a special introductory rate of $69.69, brother. That's right. All right, that's a true 69. fact. 6969, so there you go. Uh, we mentioned the email already. Follow us on our various socials if you can. Our names are different, slightly between uh, Instagram and Twitter, but it's Morning Combat everywhere you go. BC and I will be back today at 2 p.m. We're going to give you the intro to the Caleb Plant workout. You can catch us over at Showtime Sports at 2 p.m. Eastern today. BC, any final thoughts before we go? No, I don't have the shit to say. Enjoy the fights tonight. We're back Friday. We'll have some previews for you for the weekend fights. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.